Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What Is A Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 170 people around this question, not to provide you with a universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. On the 40th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Ladybird Morgan as our guest. Ladybird is a palliative care consultant at Metal Health and a co-founder and advisory board member at Humane Prison Hospice Project. With over 20 years of experience as a registered nurse, clinical social worker, and educator, Ladybird brings a wealth of wisdom and insight to this conversation. In this episode, we delve into concepts of personal evolution and growth, explore the broader perspectives beyond focusing on immediate pain, as well as embracing our interconnectedness and shared humanity. While we also consistently touch on the theme of personal congruence, discussing the importance of both integrity and continuous self-reflection and inquiry. Lady Bird also shares her insights on keeping her heart open in moments of pain or hurt and finding peace in embracing life's uncertainties. If you find yourself struggling to connect or align with who you are, this episode offers plenty to contemplate. Lady Bird is a rare individual in her commitment to walking her talk and her unwavering accountability serves as great inspiration for fostering more personal congruence and authenticity in your own life. I say this without hesitation that Ladybird is one of the more profound people that I've talked to in life. And so I'm sure you're going to take a lot from this episode as well. And if you enjoy this episode, please like, share and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please leave a review as I'd greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 40th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast. Ladybird, thank you so much for joining me today on the What Is A Good Life podcast. Uh, as I mentioned to you, I, I discovered your work in the last few months. Um, I was really taken in by the the breadth, the depth, and the I don't know the the sense of humanity which uh, you seem to connect with. So I, I was very excited to to speak with you today. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm honored and really excited about this. Wonderful. So the the first question, as I usually kick these off with Lady Bird, is: Is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life? <laughs> terrifying, like the scariest question first. Um, oh my God! Is there a question? There are many questions. Uh, I feel like the prominent one for me, at least right now in this moment, and I. I could say that it has been a question that I've followed for many years, sometimes not not so aware that I was following that question, but would be um, how how do we continue to evolve? And what does that actually mean to evolve? Which is not the same thing to me as how do you find your job or how do you find your passion or meaning or how do you know when you've figured it out <laughs> or everything's okay or everyone's no there's no more suffering um, it's a really different kind of question but in the last i would say the last maybe 2 to 3 years i've been cracked open in ways that have forced me to really look at how I, I walk my talk, or if I walk my talk, which is something that is very important to me, and not something that you come across very often. And what my experience is right now, and at least my personal experience in some parts of America, and I'm sure I'm not going to offend a lot of people right now, so, um, is that there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk about beautiful things and meaningful uh, intentions. And I wouldn't even say that the talk is negative or that it's not true or any of that, but there isn't a, a, there isn't a congruency. I haven't felt the congruency between the talk and the actions. And the words are really loud right now. People's words are really loud and they're pretty constant. And it's really hard for me. It had been hard for me to, to, to know what was actually truly moving me towards growth, not towards death, but towards growth. And I don't know, that's just something that feels really important to me. It's hard to articulate, um, especially when I, all the work that I've done and people imagine that I am somehow focused on these specific topics, 
sexual violence, death and dying, marginalized communities, palliative care, all of these, and I, don't, I hate to use the word topics, but areas of interacting, they just feel like spheres of relational places to land. But they're all access points to, to connecting and to becoming. So my real curiosity is, am I becoming what it is that I can become? And is that in service to the rest of the universe also accessing its becoming? And I have no idea what that means. <laughs> like what that becoming is or, um, yeah. So there, that's my first answer. Yeah, you've, um, you've touched on a lot that resonates with me there. And just so I don't uh, project too much onto you <laughs> from what some of these things mean to, to me, um, could you elaborate even just on the sense of noise that you hear and there's a lot of talk? Can even just with, with that part, uh, could you just break that down a little bit? Sure. And um, uh, there's, I, there's sort of two different areas. When I think about talk, there's the actual words that are coming out. And then I think of talk as, as action, as, you know, our, our actions speaking for us. So what we focus on, I noticed during the, the COVID, that whole experience, and then how that partnered up with Black Lives Matter and these eruptions of places that people were not feeling seen and heard for many, many reasons. And the, the immediate reaction to feeling distress coming at you when somebody says, oh my gosh, this is awful, this horrible thing has happened, the immediate response is to want to do something about it, right? Okay, let's fix this, let's acknowledge it, let's do something. And that there's not always a lot of space to just feel the grief of what is actually happening and be present for that grief and then also support the transition through the threshold versus thinking you know where they need to go or where we need to go, but that we're actually showing up for something to arise, for something to be created. To me, that's what evolution is. That's what growing is, not just fixing something. That isn't, that's helpful and it's important and it doesn't mean that we don't want to tend to hurts that are happening in the moment. But I feel like there's been a lot of focus on fixing things, fixing stories, fixing situations, fixing systems, fixing people. And that usually feels pretty smothering and doesn't invite anything new. It, in, it encourages almost a going back because there's a desire to get back to something that maybe you never even knew. It's an imaginary something, this, this imaginary place where everything was okay and we were all doing better, which I'm not sure exactly what that time period was. I have my own fantasies, but I, they're not real. They're absolutely fantasies and I acknowledge <laughs> that. And they usually involve like some amazing dress or something from another time period. But um, so that's, that's one place where I, I saw it was like during these really deep places of grief where there was actually some voices coming forward saying, help, we need help. There was a really quick response to, okay, great, you're doing a great job. I mean, this is something that I've commented before and it can come across as harsh because I know the intentions of the banging the pots and the pans and making noise was in solidarity. I, I do believe that and I know that. But if I, when I stood back and felt, what that was like to be a healthcare worker working in trauma, pots and pans banging, that, that isn't actually coming towards meeting this situation. Addressing the systemic challenges of getting vaccinations out and believing in systems and all of the different pieces that were happening in that moment, that's what might have felt safer for me. Really looking at where our money is going and how that's being spent and asking our systems to do it differently versus, well, at least I'll make sure that I get mine. But I'm banging pots and pans in solidarity and look at these heroes. And heroes, to me, implies that you're not human. So then again, we're disconnecting from this moment of trauma and pain. Because once you're being told you're a hero, there isn't a lot of space for you to process safely. So that's, that's one place I saw it. The other place I was, um, for me at least, 
is is when when there's a distraction of the the wound being the focus of our intention. And what I mean by that is, and this came up for me a lot when I was talking about the prison work. So right now I'm not directly involved with Humane Prison Hospice Project. I was a part of creating that, getting that started and some incredible people have taken over and it's it's moving forward in absolutely stunning, stunning ways. But when I was involved with it, you know, in order to get things going there, we had to sort of pinpoint our focus on what wasn't happening in prison and these traumas that were happening and sort of focusing on that, this, the crux of the wound, which was necessary to get things going. But I noticed pretty quickly that my attention wasn't on focusing on the wound. I really wanted to keep expanding out, right? So initially the, the, the goal was making sure that nobody died alone in prison or died horribly in prison, which still happens. And pretty quickly, I got to see that by providing that access, everybody around also was accessing their humanity. It wasn't just about the person dying, the caregiving, the experiencing of the caregiving, the the witnessing of that was a part of the actual, what I talk about, the evolution of all of us as growing and shifting and changing that to me was this is where I focus that's what that's I guess my lantern or my beacon it's hard to really get a lot of support for that because we're we're really focused on talking about the wounds how are you how are you dealing with the wounds and that should be your primary focus and if we just take care of those then everything else will line up and I I don't believe in that whole Wholly, fully, I think there's. It's a combination that there needs to be a holding of the bigger container. Right? That doesn't involve my comfort necessarily. It might not be that all of those things happen in my lifetime, even. But that hopefully my actions are getting towards a place that maybe I can't imagine. There's something really the I, this idea of the distraction of the wound. Uh, this to me sounds quite profound in the sense of you can see why lots of attention is rushing to the wound, but in only dealing with the wound, we're cutting ourselves off from maybe a field of vision or growth or evolution almost in not necessarily in coming up with solutions, but to, to having like a, a greater understanding or a, like a wider imp- a wider understanding of the interconnectivity of different things or to provide kind of more sustainable answers to, you know, questions that I'm sure you have in, in multiple, multiple areas that you're, you're involved in. In terms of getting people to not be distracted by the wound what what might you like where does your mind go if you get me like if, if people could follow your if you were a trailblazer in okay this is where i'm going to look and and people come follow me I'm not looking to appoint you <laughs> in the blue like this but could you kind of even just kind of give further kind of a, a sense of the way your mind works towards or your kind of line of vision in in the areas that you work in Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first thing that's coming to mind is just the, the way that ants work together, live together, relate together, right? I mean, the wound, we, we want to tend to the wound. And so there's a, I, I, I don't experience things in black and white or, or even the gray area. It's not even about that. It's that it's all, everything is there. So just like if you have a wound on your body, you tend to it, you don't ignore it, you take care of it, and then you continue to do what you can do with that in the intention that it will find a way to heal. So we keep tending to it, not as it's the only thing, but to tend to it. And the the community around that then says, and look what else we can do. I'm going to make sure there's water for you. I'm going to make sure that there's you know food let's think about all the other elements that are also happening in in the story. I don't know how to totally explain it other than I I feel like it happens a lot. So even though I was saying like, I don't see it everywhere, of course it's happening. I mean, there are beautiful, beautiful communities and, and millions of people actually really tending to the world, to the direct wound and to the larger picture. So it is happening. 
it's just not something that gets talked about very often that there's a lot of hmm. at least from in my experience i feel like there's been a lot of this last i don't know maybe even 30 years of the self how important the self is what are you individually doing what is your individual passion how are you articulating that and isn't that amazing right and that's great but then we kind of lose sight of the bigger picture and we're focusing on the individual's actions I and maybe we're moving out of that soon because with TikTok and all of the different things, like everybody is going to get to be famous all at the same moment. And we'll kind of get out of that phase of that. That is the focus of it actually, but that actually individuals, there's millions of people that will never be spoken to that won't be on a podcast that are doing incredible things, have incredible visions and deep places of humanity. It doesn't have to equate with a book. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Um, it, it's 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 it was it's almost like a depressing notion that the the zenith of our individualized society could be that everyone is famous simultaneously on TikTok to the point that fame is no longer has a cachet to it. Um, but there's some I I do think there's something really wonderfully kind of contradictory in maybe even in some communities I've been in with a spiritual. Um, bent to it or in in some other um self-improvement or self-development some of these concepts it's it's almost like that we forget that the human is a almost like a relational creature like we we, we exist in relation to and and we kind of just focus on so much one-way traffic like you know of of where we reach out to other people but maybe not on the feedback that is coming back in and Ironically, I, I think it, it's it's almost creating this really like an almost stunted version of growth, um, or a narrow line of vision in terms of an appreciation for a wider perspective of of the world. Like it's you know almost like if I can if I can meditate enough, I will become enlightened, or if I can I don't know like not not necessarily it the focus doesn't have seem to have an arc of coming back into the world or coming back into society with it yeah not always i mean sometimes it certainly does there are definitely oh true i'm yeah de definitely yes yeah. but yeah no the the general theme and yeah i i can speak to that a little bit because a lot, some of my teachings and practices and meditation have been the householder pathway which is very much about you are a person in the world you're not a renunciate you're not going out into the caves and meditating for months on end, you're actually cultivating this capacity to be in the fire. That you're not, you're not meditating to escape fire. You're meditating to bring yourself into a fullness, a congruency. I mean, that's what I, for me, when I think about practice, that's really what I'm longing for is to be congruent with the energy that's moving through my body and the energy that's all around me so that I can respond and show up in whatever ways that means. And sometimes it's incredibly hard and confusing and it has nothing to do with feeling good <laughs> or knowing the answer. But the more I can be congruent, then there's a, there's a trust that happens that I, I trust myself and other people trust me. And then we can move. There's a movement that is allowed in trust that's different from fear or confusion, chaos. You know, all of those things have their own movements as well. It's just the one that I'm, I have a preference for. <laughs> I have a preference for congruency. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you mentioned this at, at the start, just this idea, how do I continue to evolve and, and what does that even mean? Like that, that seemed to touch me somewhere in which ways that I didn't, I kind of don't even know what, I don't know what it, that means for me. So it, it fills me with a, a simultaneous feeling of like, that's hit the nail on the head, but I don't know what nail it is. <laughs> for you, what, what does that, that kind of expression mean for you? In this moment right now, it, it means that I am living with an awareness that I am a part of a universe. 
that my life energy is is in like you were saying it's in it's in relation to everything around me this isn't just about the human experience and what relationship I'm going to get in and you know am I going to have a house and all of these things that are part of the story right now for us which are incredibly distracting is so far it's not far removed it's a it's a different expression of what is also happening which is we're in direct relation with every every element of the universe around us every piece of every blade of grass every little piece of soil all the bugs all the flying things all the crawling elements the water fishes like everything around us we are a part of that there isn't a separation of that so i'm in i'm in partnership with the growth of everything not just my own personal development that happens to be what i get to express through so then i get to come back to what i'm responsible for so that to me feels like evolution feels like a responsibility am i willing to be responsible for how i'm expressing in this reality which makes i have no idea what it's about <laughs> none it's absolutely mysterious to me that we're on a planet that's revolving around a ball of fire and i mean we can just stop right there like that's just what does that mean i don't even know so <laughs> it's hard to it's hard for me to really have a true sense of knowing but it's happening and there are enough people reflecting back to me that they are having this experience as well so clearly there's some relational quality here so i try not to forget that i am in the universe it feels really important to me that i remember that bigger picture what's harder for me is coming back to the smaller picture so that's a lot of my struggle and challenges is like in this moment to moment day of you know practical things and resources and all of that making sense of it finding my way is hard for me because i'm you know i i am in a 3d body that is relating in 3d form and so i i need to that's my work is finding out how to do that and the and the the clearest way that i've found as of late is to just focus on getting my energy to be congruent so that i can pay attention to all of the things that are popping up does that make sense? I don't know. I feel like I kind of went yeah, off. Yeah. A bit. Oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely captivated by what you're saying. To be honest, and are are you saying then that? So if 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 I'm understanding this correctly, though, like you're, you feel highly connected to the to the universe, to like almost existence. Um, without necessarily having to understand what unequivocally is the is the point of existence, but you feel deeply connected to it all, and that part that part of life is almost where you feel comfortable or in flow, and then it's the 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 day to day stuff or the the practicalities of life that present more challenges than some of the. The more kind of existential things with that like is that is that anywhere close or or how would you even riff off that yeah I, I think that's close i mean i certainly feel more comfortable in the existential realms than i do in the practical realms i really appreciate of course i i want to feel good and comfortable and all of these things it's not that i'm denying the the desires of fulfilling the needs of human body and human psyche and the longings that i have for deep connection and relation and all of those things are a part of that story it's but it's not separate it's not like oh i'm going to focus on the planet and not on relationships or i'm going to focus on trees and not on snails i'm going to focus on death and dying and not on you know how to create food i i haven't ever felt a separation in in areas i've had to funnel my energy into certain places which makes sense because when you focus then something can actually happen right so i appreciate that pull that people pull me come like all of these in and things that i've been involved with had been at the request of friends and colleagues you know the humane prison hospice project was a dream of a woman sandy fish who was really 
really committed to bringing hospice into prisons and not having people suffer in prisons. And she asked me to support her in finding a way to do that. And so for years, we worked together to, to create this pathway. And the other people came on board, and that's the beauty of it. And that, I think, is something that I have noticed in myself is that I haven't ever gotten so attached to a project that I feel like, oh, this has to be me. I have to keep being the one to say this. I'm like, great, who else is there? What is your expression of this? You know, I'm going to, something needs to move. I'm very much in the, the movement. And that feels the truest to me. Then maybe it's closer to that things are impermanent, right? It's that place of impermanence. Rather than needing to just sit down and meditate on the possibility of impermanence, I'm basically moving in impermanence. Not easily. <laughs> so let yeah, me just yeah. say that, like, not because, oh, it's so easy and it's really great. I have plenty of moments of completely freaking out. And somebody asked me recently how I, how I worked with so much grief and all of the different roles that I've worked in. And I, I honestly think it's because I cry a lot. I cry a lot. Is that, uh, is that crying? Is that as a result of the, the situations that you're exposed, like that you're in contact with or in relation to? Or is that just your own like emotional processing, not separating them out? But like, is it, is that, could you kind of even describe where you see that coming from? Yeah, I think you just said it. There's no separating it out. It's that it's everything. It's my witnessing, experiencing a situation, suffering, whatever is in front of me, which directly impacts me. I'm not separate from it. I might be having a different experience around it, but it's I'm in relation. So of course it's impacting me. And then that energy is moving through me. And I can get stuck or I can come out. And it doesn't take it away. It doesn't mean, oh, I have a great cry and then I, you know, I feel like everything's better. It's really, it's really hard to live right now. I, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's always been hard. And it's also really amazing and beautiful and incredibly exciting at times and just delightful and almost always hard. And there aren't, there isn't a lot of sense around it. I was with a I was with a friend just yesterday um, who I was in the cranial sacral training together. She was one of the students, and I was um, a teacher's assistant for her. And she's coming to get yesterday. She was coming over to have a, a session for me. She's trying to log in her sessions, and she said something that she was trying to explain what happened for her. That you know, when she first laid down, she her mind was really busy. She had had coffee, and there was this. Just listening to her heart and feeling different things and then trying to make sense of it. And then at some point, she just had the sensation of being on a train and being carried away and recognizing that there was this other way to be in this situation that where you weren't trying to make sense of it. And it turned into a conversation where I also was, in my experience of offering the treatment, certain energies and things are happening. And there's moments where you're like, this is for real. Like, what's what is going on? Like, is that happening it's not happening and I'm like why do I need to know if it's real or not real or and could we just stop making sense and so then we were just joking about talking heads and you know like can we stop trying to make sense of everything what would that feel like if I wasn't so committed to trying to make sense of every interaction that happens for me why did this happen why is that happening what should I do now what are they going to do why did they do that like 98% of my day is pretty much that. How can I explain this more clearly? How can I make this make sense? It's exhausting. Yeah, this is, um, you're capturing something that I, I feel a lot. And I was almost, I'm almost wondering, like, are you just because I feel sometimes I'm open to, I feel like I'm quite open to a lot of things simultaneously. And I feel I a bit like the the almost the ridiculousness of life that there's so much things that are leave you in joy and awe and wonder, and then there's so much destruction and things that are depressing and hurtful and painful. Mm-hmm. And then without the and then the the desire to make sense of it all sometimes just 
when ultimately my intuition is that it's not to be made sense of at all, and then I'm left almost with the contradiction of my own actions and my intuition. I don't know. It it it, it feels when I'm talking to you like I don't. Know, it feels like you feel life on a very deep level, um, or that you've connected with something very deeply, and and yeah, like some of the 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 questions you're left with from that place, they seem like quite. You know, when you said earlier, and, and what does that even mean? It, you know, when you kind of pursue curiosities towards the end, almost of the mental capacity to to give you the answer back. Not not just that we're left with paradox, but just that we're left with like, oh, what does this even mean? And I, I don't want to just, I'm not trying to change subjects or anything, but even for me then, like, you know, damn, I think I, I believe in some divinity or God, but then why do they put us through? Why, why did it put us through all this? Like, do you, I, I don't know. It's, it, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I hope I'm not just projecting my stuff onto you. No, but. it's really helpful. I mean, I, I feel like there isn't, a, there isn't a clear, it's not like that what I'm expressing or that my experience makes any sense, right? We'll just use that as mm. that it's not that it makes more sense. It's just how I orient. And it isn't any more accurate than any other orientation, right? So there are plenty of people around me that have very strong beliefs and experiences with those beliefs, and that is real. And I believe that for them. That's I'm, I'm not even questioning it. It isn't happening in my experience for me. And so I'm trying to relate as authentically to how I, how I relate to the world and the world around me without feeling the need to be like other people or have their experience. And that hasn't always been the case. I mean, I certainly have had years where, you know, thought surely I must be something horrible is going to happen or I'm just really missing the boat or, you know, wouldn't it be great if I just believed in that creation theory and then God, everything would just be so taken care of. I wouldn't have to wonder like, what does that feel like to have that sense of certainty? It must be such a relief. All of that mystery is is not there but mystery for me is the richest place to be inhabiting i think i would feel really lonely and lost if if i didn't acknowledge mystery yeah um even though i feel lonely in the existential even though i mean existentialism is very lonely it's not it's not it's not the it's not like a party place, you know, if anybody's wondering which party to go to tonight, don't go to the existential party. <laughs> go to the certainty party. There'll be more, there'll be much more laughter for sure. Um. Yeah. And, 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 and I get, look, this, look, the, the point of even of this podcast, I guess, and all these interviews is to show that everyone finds their, you know, everyone finds their own answer and, I, for one second, wouldn't be suggesting to people that, hey, follow my inquiries. This is where, where it lies. But, but I do think there's something really important about what you're saying, though, in terms of just honoring whatever your orientation is, right? Because, you, you know, I, I, I imagine that you, when you do laugh, you laugh very, <laughs> like, laugh very hard. You, you know what I mean? Like, or there's a, there's a, a fullness to, by my perception is in life if i follow my own orientation like it doesn't mean that life is all um rainbows and buttercups but that i feel life mm-hmm. and having had experiences in my life by not pursuing my orientation i didn't feel life like, yeah. and that i think for me is as you said it's kind of a there's kind of a twist to it <laughs> like you know, if I don't pursue this, I won't, I'll, I'll feel, I won't feel something. And if I do pursue, uh, pursue this, or if I do follow this, I, I, it, there can be loneliness even within that then because of where it's, where it may lead one to. It, it's a really interesting, for me, I'm trying to see that it's to be okay with it while simultaneously feeling not okay with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and can you articulate, Mark, what it, what it, what uh, following your what did you say i mean this piece about you know living in what's true for you mm. i think that makes me think of the first question that you were asking me about 
you know, walking the talk. And that an example I can give is that, you know, like the Black Lives Matter signs for me as a person with brown skin, I found those signs at times confusing. I didn't understand what was meant when I would walk by and see that sign. Like what, what was that telling me? That you like black people, that I, I, it, it, there wasn't something that I could actually understand because it didn't feel embodied. It felt like a statement that, that there was a desire to somehow make something known, but not necessarily inhabit it. Hmm. So for me, what happened was I actually felt less safe. And I understood that the, their intentions were not about that, that there, that there was a mis, there was a misconnect there happening, right? But what I want to experience is if you're really inhabiting your experience, you don't have to prove it to me. You don't have to prove it to yourself, actually. You're just inhabiting it. And that very, that element of um, realness feels safe, for lack yeah. of a better word. It feels congruent. It feels congruent. And when I feel congruency, then I can move towards what is actually true for me. I don't have to worry about trying to perform or make a statement or present. I can actually just show up as myself in that moment. That's what I mean by evolution, but also by really walking the talk. So for you, do you, do you, can you feel the difference of when you're saying something or living something? From, from my perception of life, and I, I'd say I'm, I'm maturing into this, if, if you get me. Like, uh, so for the last, I'm 39 now. So when I was 31, I first came to seeing a therapist and it became meditation, then journaling, reading lots of different things, lots of time in silence, time by my own, you know, lots of these things. So it's still, a, it's still an early path for me over the last eight years. What I'm noticing is the outcome... I, I can feel comfortable even though I've entered into far more uncertainty over the last eight years. So um, for, for that to me, I left a role in finance four years ago without any plan whatsoever other than to book three days in, in Cusco in Peru and to figure out a, a trip from there. Um, I came to Berlin with my wife. My wife's German and I didn't check out anything in Berlin before I came here. I just thought I'd figure it out when I came here. Now I'm not saying that this is definitely not a path that I'm 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 prescribing to other people because quite <laughs> frankly I still have lots to figure out. But a lot of the things that I was pursuing in life, whether that's material things or trying to look a certain way in front of other people or to <clears throat> excuse me to compete with other people in in arenas that I was becoming aware were becoming less and less important to me. I'm doing a lot of things at this point in which I, I, I don't know why I'm doing them. Um, and I don't have all the feedback at this point to say that this is going to work out. And yet I still can laugh even at feeling lost at times. I can still feel at home while not knowing where I'm going. That's a, that's the kind of sentiment. Now I still have, I still have, I think, further places to fall into in terms of trust. Do you, do you get me? Like in, mm -hmm, in even mm -hmm. trusting that even further. Mm -hmm. I'm not for a second saying that I don't feel afraid, that I don't, you know, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you're saying that all these emotions go away. But I do, as someone who, um, who was asking me things to reflect on, kind of pointed something out in the area of trust. And although I've made a few of these big decisions that I've just named and, you know, I proposed to my wife after five weeks and thankfully we're still together seven and a half years <laughs> later. Uh, so that story doesn't sound completely awful. Lovely. But so I've done things like that, but I still know that I've, in order, I need to fall further into trusting myself because I kept on saying out loud, I know I trust myself or I know I trust everything's going to be fine. And I find sometimes when I'm repeating the same phrase over and over again, I have to look at that phrase and go, hmm, <laughs> why, why, am I, why am I stating that phrase as often as I am if, if I know it to be true? So I don't know if I've answered your question and there, but that's kind of what comes to mind. Yeah, no, you, it, it's thank you <laughs> for, for articulating that. I, I think what struck me the most is that statement of I need to, right? This again, this 
evolution as a task. Yeah, true. And forgetting that even if we don't have awareness of it, we're still moving in a direction. You know, like that was something that I would say with folks when <clears throat> with dying, like even if you prepare, or you don't prepare, you're going to die. So it, it's it's going to happen either way. So there isn't like a judgment around that. You don't have to worry. Death will still come. Whether you prepare or you don't prepare, it'll be a different experience. But somehow that you aren't aren't going to access your trust in yourself if you don't grab it by the horns and say, I, I've got this. Maybe you're actually trusting yourself a lot when you're not consciously, you know, tracking it in that way. So that sort of surrendering the grasp. When you mention then the idea of being cracked open at the start and just almost checking in with yourself. Am I, am I walking my talk or I always get confused with that expression now, walking my talk or talking my walk. Um, you can go to, you can share as much or as little as you want in terms of the specifics of that, but what's that process been like, even just even if you wanted to, to keep it on a high level? It's been a process of refinement for me that, hmm, let me see. I think it's been me coming to a place of recognizing how I am in the world. And I would say that up until even just a couple of years ago, I really wasn't aware of how I was operating. I was doing it, but I didn't have the direct line to like, and this is how I am and this is why I'm doing these things. I just kept kind of moving to the next thing and showing up the way that I was and then for whatever reasons, I would move on and, you know, just didn't really understand the patterning of that and what was going on. And something that I noticed with myself is that I'll get pulled into a project because it's beautiful and it's compelling and it's amazing. And I'm, I'm moving in the flow of this other energy and those other voices purely because I want to. Nothing, there's no gun to my head. I'm not making anything up. I'm not presenting as though I'm not myself. But I'm aligning with a, a vision and a languaging. And as I start to get comfortable and bring more of myself forward, it doesn't always line up directly with that, those other people. It's, and that's been um, surprising to me, unsettling, and partially because my experience, and again, this is still, it's still clouded and it's, it's probably you know, 30% accurate. It's, it's, you know, what I'm saying in terms of what I've experienced and what I'll, how I'll speak about it five years from now, because I'm still in the midst of it. But the, the degree that I wasn't able to really embody myself, I was showing up certainly strongly and truthfully and fully in those moments, but there were parts of myself that I still couldn't see and, and take responsibility for saying, yeah, hey, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm bringing. I would bring forward what people would ask of me. Can you do that, da, 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 da? I'm like, okay, sure. And then I started doing that, da, 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 da. But there was something else that wasn't coming forward. And as I got clarity about that and started getting that stronger, it, of course, it had some ruffles. There were some ruffles in there because I wasn't familiar with being that full part of myself. And nobody around me was familiar with accessing it either. There were requests for it. Be yourself. We love you. Come forward. And I didn't even know what that meant. I, I think I thought it just meant that I showed up for them the way that they wanted me to show up and that that's what you do. And so there was a place around learning about my quality of showing up, my, my willingness to be responsible for who I am and happy about that and excited about that and not just thinking it's invisible or I should hide it under other people's work. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm becoming myself in ways that I, I have never been before. And maybe that's just growing older. It could just purely be age that is allowing that access to happen. But um, yeah, and so, the, so then things, the landscape looks different. Your relation, everything just turns a little bit. It doesn't have to be a disaster but it shifts a little bit. And if everything doesn't adjust to that shift, then things fall apart and fall away. And what I'm trying to do in this moment is not assume that there is a falling apart just because there's a shift. Yeah, I, I, 
I don't know whether it's a bias of mine, but I, well, it is a bias of mine that I, in order for me to believe a shift, uh, it's like when I first started exa- uh, exploring things in myself that I felt I, if I didn't, uh, if I didn't cry or if I didn't feel pain and suffering, that I wasn't really looking um, for something inside of me. Um, mm-hmm. And that there's, if I didn't, uh, if something shifts and there isn't a, a moment of not chaos, but like struggle or pain that I, I question whether something has shifted. Um <laughs> But I like I, I don't know, uh, you know, just I even that whole like the recalibration that you're talking about there. Yeah, I mean, I, this it's making me think of another incongruency with with words that we say in our culture, which is we're all one, we're all connected, right? You hear this from most people, and yet when a difficulty comes, the very opposite thing happens. Was I'm you're not connected to me. I, I can't show up for you. I'm not there for you. Like, okay, so wait, I thought we were all one. Are we all one or are we not all one? Because if we are, then that tether remains even in discomfort, even in confusion, even in pain. This is, for me, the, the deep practice of compassion isn't separation. And it isn't also that you lose yourself in the other person's experience, right? It's that you can stay connected in difficulty and it doesn't mean that you stay enmeshed it doesn't mean that you put yourself in harm's way it doesn't there's a lot of things that that doesn't mean but i feel like i've been taught by a lot of teachers and just by life that my intention is to to the degree that i can is keep my heart open and connected even as it's hurting right so you, person, Mark, you've done something that has hurt me. I'm confused. I'm upset by it. I might be confused and feel unsure and not know what to do or how to relate, but my heart doesn't actually turn away from you. I don't have that experience. I might decide to be at a distance for sure, but it's not because all of a sudden I have shut something down. And that's the part that I'm learning about. Okay, I'll end this with like, I have another question. Like, I guess the big question that I have for myself is, how do I relate in this open-hearted space with uh, integrity and wisdom? That's, um, I'm just trying to ask myself that question. <laughs> I just thought it was such a big question uh, that there's something just out of interest for you, what would responding in that way look like? Like, so somebody i have done something you're clearly you you know i've i've crossed a boundary i've done something you keep what would that wisdom look like for you like could could there still an integrity look like could there still be a an emotional um like could like would anger still be the appropriate thing do you have like how how would you not looking to, for you to dress that experience up with emotions to to spell it out, but what would what else would that moment entail? Anything could go there. Any expression, decision to communicate or not communicate. But for me personally, what I've what I've been up against is that the tendency is for me the tendency the tendency has been for me to abandon myself in those moments. And put the put the onus on the external force. You're not showing up for me. You're not taking care of me. You are now unsafe, right? That's where I have gone with that experience. And so I, in a, and I'm sort of tricking myself into thinking that I'm taking care of myself by doing that. There's a piece of truth in there, which is something isn't congruent and harm is happening and something has happened there. But what what I really deeply want to experience is knowing that I can show up for myself. And as soon as somebody else doesn't show up for me, it's a great mirror for me to recognize, okay, well, can I still show up for myself? Not that I don't need other people. That's a different statement. I do need other people. I want other people. But how quickly am I willing to abandon my 
self to these external situations and imagine that somehow then like I'm going to take care of myself by eliminating. So eliminating is different than taking care of myself. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of a longer conversation, but, and I'm still absolutely trying to understand it myself. So it's not, this is a work in progress. (laughs) I realize how much I abandoned myself in ways that I have not, I wasn't aware. Just from all that you've shared, then Lady Bird, look, so much of it's been resonating and hence I've got a little bit lost in this conversation <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in terms of keeping <laughs> keeping things on track timeline-wise. Just from everything that you've been sharing, though, from the opening question to how do I continue to evolve, what does that even look like? Talking about like not maybe focusing on the wound and and just not being distracted by the wound and in in some of your curiosities as to how we actually not even show up to life to provide solutions, but to how we look at how we look at the world, the the wider inter- interconnected sense of the world. You know, talking about moments or experiences of being cracked open and then questioning whether you walk your talk, mentioning things like congruence and wholeness, but then also this really curious nature i think as to what even evolution means in in the context of of life as well i'm super fascinated to to ask you the last question which is is always obviously what is a good life for you ladybird i don't even know how to answer that <clears throat> this life is good i mean it's the only life i know so i <laughs> um I only know this life, so it must be good. Um, a curious life, a life that that re- that continues to have unknown elements, and there's holding for that, a holding for the unknown, that it doesn't require certainty, but that includes some reliability. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, of course, I, I have a desire to rest in something. I want to also rest in something. So that would be a good life that there's a way that I can trust that there's a space for me to rest in this experience, even when I don't understand it. I have a feeling, Lady Bird, when I listen back to this, I'm going to have much to contemplate. Um, I I want to thank you for, for joining me here on the What is a Good Life podcast. I found talking to you absolutely fascinating, absolutely mm. captivating. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's lovely. I wish we had more time. I'll have to come to Germany. I have a dear uncle who lives in Germany, so maybe I'll look you up when I come over to see him. Please do. And uh, thank you so much, Ladybird. <laughs>